everybody it's lucas from the future because you know this episode is in the past although by the time you hear it it's lucas from the past you know what i mean anyway hi just wanted to jump in real quick here before the episode begins and thank you guys so much for bearing with us as we've been getting this mess all sorted out uh for those of you who haven't been following us on twitter at d comedy podcast wink wink plug plug i did get our feed successfully moved over after we got kicked off our old host Uh, mostly. There are a couple of places people have told me they might not be getting new episodes. I will look into those in due time. Also, if you have one where you used to listen to us on an app or something and you're not getting it anymore, email it to us, dcomedypodcast at gmail.com, or shoot me a Twitter DM or tweet or whatever, again, at dcomedypodcast. But I did get the migration all pretty much good. There was just some issues with Spotify, and obviously we have a lot of people who listen to our show through there, so we wanted to get that fixed before we posted anything new. But Spotify took forever to get back to us and fix our issues, but they should be all good now. So I'm really excited to give this episode to you guys. We recorded it back in November, which seems like a lifetime ago. We recorded it just real quick, like chill over Thanksgiving weekend when we were hanging out with our parents. So, you know, we weren't in our usual recording setup and everything. So it might not sound normal to you guys, but, you know, I imagine after our, <laughs> but I imagine after this involuntary uh, hiatus we've been on, I think that you guys won't mind looking over the audio sounding a bit unusual compared to how it normally does. So now that this one is out, I should be able to get Rip Girls to you guys by the end of this month at the very latest. And then I think I would like to try and stick to a schedule of two episodes per month until we're caught up, um, which is really uh, wishful thinking because my life has just been really busy lately, which is part of the reason why this has taken so long and been such a headache. But I would like to try and stick to that schedule just so we can get caught up and, you know, get this content train back on the tracks as it should be. So yeah, look for Rip Girls later this month, but for now, just enjoy the episode. Again, thank you guys so much for listening and bearing with us, and, you know, it's really you guys who make all this worthwhile, so can't thank you enough for sticking with us as we work to yell about children's movies for your benefit. Thank you guys so much, and enjoy the episode. Grab a front row seat, because the Disney Channel movie's coming up next, right here. Yeah, no kidding, right here. Hello, everybody. Welcome to D-Comedy, our rewatch, review, whatever you want to call it, podcast. This month, your D-commentators are me, Lucas. And me, Emma. And we are here today to talk to you about the Disney Channel classic. Oh, God, this title is so... I don't even know The title is. is awful. Phineas and Ferb, Across the Second Dimension. And for those of you who were expecting the Rip Girls episode, check Twitter. Um, we're just going to hop right in with this one today. Is uh, this the only Phineas and Ferb movie? Or is there, 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 are, there are specials that I think are a little shorter than this. Got it. I've seen the Christmas one, and then there's one where they try and like chase the sun to make the longest day possible. That's what I think I was thinking of. And I'm going to say, I kind of think I liked those better than this one. Not that this is bad, but just it's... It's, it's fine. It's it, not bad. No, I no. Call it's Phineas and Ferb. a bad experience. I enjoy Phineas and Ferb. Of course. I think that my general takeaway from this, and I'll just say it up top, like I'll probably thread the needle a little bit further as we get into it, but 
it just felt like a long episode of Phineas and Ferb. And that's a good thing and a bad thing in a lot of ways. I didn't feel like I was watching a movie in any yeah. way, shape, or form. And I also committed two cardinal sins, which I'll get into later. Oh, I'm interested to hear those. Because, yeah, so in November, when Emma asked us to switch movies for November, in general, I like to do movies that are based on shows. Like Emma's saying, this one went the route of being like, let's just take a plot that we couldn't really do in the short format of our show and really stretch it out over an hour. And it's good. Good because it's Phineas and Ferb, and Phineas and Ferb is, of course, good. I love Phineas and Ferb. Um, great show. I think it's the longest running animated, at least, maybe longest running Disney Channel show of all time. But some it's of it's still on, is it? No, no. It's they 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 brought it back for a Disney Plus movie, and and it kind of coexisted within another show by the same creator. It's a whole mess. But the, the thing is, is the Phineas and Ferb format was not made to be stretched like this. Yes. So there are a couple of weaknesses which we'll get into. Also, if you haven't watched Phineas and Ferb, do yourself a favor. It's yeah, phenomenal. There. But let's, we're, I'm just gonna hop right in. I'm, I'm ready to talk about some Phineas and Ferb myself. So we open on, as I'm pretty sure all Phineas and Ferb episodes do, it's the beginning of a new day. Um, if you're not familiar with the concept of Phineas and Ferb, it's, it takes place over the course of one summer and it chronicles what they do each, each day. day. They wake up this morning. There's actually a great gag where their alarm clock is just a thing that wakes Perry up. And well, then... no, they do, they, you see them in. Oh, right. There's the whole prologue. Sorry. They do that classic gag of like, we see them about to go to their doom. Yes. So which my note is, are they wearing chastity belts? Because we're only <laughs> seeing them from the waist up and it looks like Phineas was in a little iron chastity belt. Ew, he was a little bit. Yeah, and you're not wrong. And then when you pan out, you realize it's just all around his waist and not covering his private yeah, square. They're all in shackles. But they're in shackles being led to their doom and they're like, oh no, like who would have thought that this would have ended up this it way? It started out as such a great day. And then it rewinds. Right. Uh, there is something important to note about that scene though, is that uh, Dr. Doofenshmirtz is with them and this is one of the things I think the movie does right is that in the show, those characters Never, never interact. Pre- they ne- almost never interact. That's always a side thing, which is what Perry, his pet platypus, is doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Phineas and Ferb never meet him, but they do meet in this movie, and it's pretty good. But the re- sorry, the reason I meant to skip that is I tried to skip that is because number one, it's almost entirely inconsequential. Yeah. They try again, like ever, so many movies make this mistake where the character starts to narrate the movie, uh, at, like from a future point in time or whatever, and then as the movie goes on, they just totally forget yeah. to keep doing it, and that's what happens here. But the other reason I was really hoping to skip it is because oh, the day begins, the alarm clock goes off, it wakes up Perry up, Perry makes his traditional platypus noise, and my one. It's like... I can't do it. It's like, no one can. That wakes them up. And it introduces us to uh, the best element of both Phineas and Ferb and this film, which is the songs. Okay, but I have a question, and I Shoot. don't know if this is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. Is this a joke? This, the, the title is Into the Second Dimension. Across the Second Dimension. Across the Second Dimension. The... Animation looks different in that opening scene. Oh, yeah, no, they I have more of a dimension to them. And then the rest of the movie, it is completely the same. No. Except for a few shots of, like, robots and stuff like that. Where yeah, they there's, a, a, little the, bit more there's a lot more CGI. But it is flat. For the, Like, the characters are flat. I didn't notice that it was particularly out of step with the rest of the movie. I thought that across the board, the animation was, like, slightly a little bit, you know, better because they had higher budget. You did not notice that the, the in the opening sequence, they were, like, almost 3D looking. No. At first. No. Okay. I just thought it looked slightly better than okay, the normal well, thing. Lucas works in animation, <laughs> and I think he should be fired because it does. They look completely different, and I was like, "Oh, is the whole they look movie, different from the show? I just is the whole movie gonna look like this?" And guess what, folks? No, it does not, because they immediately okay. abandon it, and it goes back to being a complete like flat Stanley looking 
style I think it looks animation. better than the show most of the time. Luke, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying better than the show, worse than the show. I'm saying there is a distinct animation style change in the opening sequence that then they do not come back to. I would have where to you can see that they are three-dimensional as they're like rotating over their bed. They do. Well, they do a scene where he literally does rotate because they're getting ready for the yes. day and, and there's a great gag. Normally, where... they cannot rotate because no. they're flat fucking characters. That's true. Okay, fair enough. Because um, there's a great gag where Phineas puts on his shirt and if you've never seen Phineas, it's a striped shirt and it's white at first and then Perry brings up paint a paint roller and they paint stripes on it, which is crazy. Also, we get to see Phineas I put on a shirt. I thought the whole joke was that the whole thing was going to be in another dimension, but it's not. Oh, uh, well, the whole joke for me was that we finally get to see Phineas put on a shirt and if you know what Phineas looks like, his head is just a triangle yeah. and so he has to like scrunch the nose of his triangle through. It's it's pretty good. But back to the song is that we have an opening song here called uh, Everything's Better with Perry and <laughs> this is, I think, my favorite song in the whole thing. It's upbeat, it's peppy, it's fun. It's pretty good. It's I just it gets me from the beginning where it's like every single day is a plus when we splend it with the, the platypus. platypus. That's just good, man. The songs are all good. And They're all pretty I, good. I love the I love that's why I like Phineas and Ferb is because they just got banger after banger. And yeah, and it's such a thing like they didn't have and for the show this is for the show in general they didn't have to do banger songs no, but, they but they did do. they do banger songs. But yeah, so it's just them getting ready and this what the song is really needs to establish is how much Phineas and Ferb love Perry the Platypus yes. because the thing is as we briefly mentioned already in the show they rarely interact because they get up they decide what they're going to do for the day and then Perry goes off they do need to kind of do this retcon because yes. they don't interact with Perry a lot in the show I get yes. what you're saying um, because again if you haven't watched the show the whole thing is Perry is a secret agent mm-hmm. um, Agent P Agent P he is an and again this is an animated thing so they can get away with that so they needed to establish God they just love Perry the Platypus yes. so much he's their best friend um, we actually get the story of like how they met in this movie and stuff they really go all in they, on the they show them going to the pet adoption center yes to which I wrote I always forget the day Dad is British. I mean, Ferb is also British. I know, but Ferb doesn't speak that much. Ever. Well, yeah, but yeah, because they do this little song number. Uh, they go downstairs. And it's the, his anniversary. Yes. Being picked up from the adoption center. Uh-huh. And we get a little flashback. It was five years. I, I I will admit I got a little morbidly curious. I did want to see how long Platypi actually lives. How long do they live? 17 years. So they're okay, good. Okay, that's they're good. good. They're good. But yeah, and then we see a little flashback of them going to the OWCA adoption center. Emma, what is the OWCA? Animals. <laughs> It's the organization that Perry works for. Oh, the Animal Spy Agency, where they all work for Right, but what does it stand for? Animals with No, it's just the no. It's the no. Organization. Yes. For animal crime. (laughs) Organization without a cool acronym. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we see the little, they go to a pet store and there's a bunch of exotic animals. They pick out, of course, the platypus. There's a bit where they decide to name him Bertrand, I think, or something like that. Yeah, but then they're like. Later, then then we got home, we named you. So I'll talk about this up front. Um, I think this movie is genuinely pretty funny because I think it has just the, you know, the Phineas and Ferb style of humor, which I will die on this hill is anyone can find these jokes funny. Anyone of any age, background. They're all great. But the thing is, is that some of them are not not great. Like, I don't think every joke in this movie lands. But the thing is, it is a mile a minute. If They're you all, yes. If you didn't like a joke that just came up, wait two seconds, well, there'll also, be another one. none of these jokes are for children. I would say there's about <laughs> four that would land with a child. I think like, there were. I think these, this show works like the, the concept is for children. 
And yes. they like watching the robot fights and like don't want Phoenix Mars to get. But like the actual things that they are writing into this script. Yeah, I, no child. What child get. is picking up on this? Yeah, Emma, that's a great point. Is that like. Because they it, say them so fast, too. At its core, Phineas and Ferb is about kids who build like treehouse robots and like yeah. crazy things that any kid would want to do. Like in the first episode, they build a roller coaster in their backyard. Yes. Like stuff like that. But then the actual like humor, like the written jokes. The jokes that they are saying. Are like so. Like you. Like I don't want to say not child targeted, but so out there that it's like. Why would you put this in a children's cartoon? It's really funny, though. But it's also just, like, the way the dialogue is written is so it's snappy. It's so fast. And you like, don't even have a minute to settle with it. I, absolutely. Um, because, so that, speaking of which, we go to that scene, and we go to Candace, who is their older sister. And I just wrote more Candace. Yes, Candace. I love Candace. Candace is, I... She's the best part, and I like that this movie is pretty Candace-heavy. She, yeah, the movie's... Well, I actually think it's more them-heavy than hers. The, the sequel movie they made... I don't know if it's a sequel, but the movie they made for Disney Plus is all about Candace. It's Candace Saves the World or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I like that. Um, I mean, I'm saying, like, I guess Candace the second dimension gets a lot of screen she time. She does get a lot of screen time. I'm pissed about what happens here, which is we get intro to Candace in this mm-hmm. scene, and yet again, she doesn't give a shit about anyone. Um, Except. Jeremy. Yes. And Jeremy's going to college, uh-huh. and she's like, and I wrote down, okay, a story I can get invested in. <laughs> Jeremy's going to college. Like, I, I really enjoy that he's going on a college tour, and she doesn't want him to leave her behind because she's a child. Yeah, that's and, her thing for this movie. But I wanted there to be more Jeremy. Like, he's I did, not I, involved. Yeah, so I also want to talk about that that briefly. Is I think if you this looked at... This plot line is dropped like a hot potato. Well, like, it's... it's it, it, uses, it uses the catalyst to make her want to act like an adult, quote-unquote. Yes. But it's not actually a plot line. No, True. But I, what I wanted to say is I think if you looked at the cast list for the show and by extension of the movie, you just think, oh, they just got a bunch of Disney Channel stars to voice all this. Ashley Tisdale does an amazing job yeah, voicing she's Candace. Carrying. She really makes it her own. And Mitchell Musso does like a weirdly good job as Jeremy, even though he only shows up for like five minutes in the movie and generally in the show as well. Isabella is Allison Stoner. Allison Stoner. She does a great job, even though she was definitely like 20 years old voicing a child. Uh, great work all around. Really changes her voice. She her does. Voice yeah. She, that's what I'm good. saying. Like as much as these are just Disney Channel stars, they got to do voices. They really embody the characters, I feel like um but yeah emma basically covered the whole thing there also i'm like 90 percent sure they do not establish in the show that jeremy's a year older than her and going to college i didn't remember that because she, she has the line At she has the line all. being like wow jeremy i forgot you're a year older than me i was I, like i'm pretty sure all of us did as well because I, that wasn't established if that was ever established i forgot it but there's a lot of really hilarious dialogue in this scene too where she's talking about jeremy going to college i just love yes. candace's dialogue whoever writes it is right but she's like just picture him at college when tweed jackets with patches on the elbow <laughs> yeah. Again, great jokes. But yeah, that's setting up her whole thing that she feels she's not old enough for Jeremy. Her whole thing in the show and always that she's in love with Jeremy and that she needs to get together Is with Jeremy. Is Jeremy in love with her or just oblivious? Um, I think it's pretty up in the air. Sometimes I think the general vibe is that she's like hyper obsessive about it yeah. and thinks like, oh my God, Jeremy's going to hate me. And he's just like a chill, normal guy. He's like, yeah, do you want to go out sometime? He's like, like an oblivious guy. Well, not yeah. oblivious. I think he does like her and doesn't want to go out oblivious. with her, but he just doesn't put as much thought into to it yeah. as she does clearly but that's saying you said a mouthful there sister. <laughs> but so yeah she's determined to start acting like an adult so she can still be with jeremy then we go down to the backyard phineas and ferb are playing platyball which is they put a baseball on pair of the platypus's tail and, and they scratch his ears and then it makes his tail like shoot up so they can hit a baseball off of it reflex reaction um and they also and this becomes weirdly important is they have a gun that shoots the baseball and then has like a little antenna on and they can pull it back that becomes like their primary weapon for the rest yeah. of the film 
for some reason. Um, you have all films. The children must have primary weapons. Well, no, yeah, I actually think, and this is something incredibly positive I want to say about this film as much as I think it's only okay. And I said this while Emma and I were watching it together. The way they set things up mm-hmm. and then bring them back is all incredible in this film. It's like clockwork precision of like, hey, here's this thing we briefly mentioned. Guess what? It was important yes. the whole time. Um, so they just have these random baseball machines because, you know, Phineas and Ferb invent all this crazy nonsense and they're playing with it. And then speaking of Alice and Stoner, Isabella walks in and gives us the classic, what you doing? Which is what she says all the time. Catchphrases. Yes. And he explains that they're playing platyball. Also, I think uh, Baljeet and Buford, who are also their friends, come over and they're explaining the rules and they decide like, oh, this is what we're doing today. We're going to build like a massive game of platyball to play. Again, back and they're forth. building massive robots. Yes. And again, this is a joke that totally went over my head until for a couple minutes um, is they say, yeah, if we could get, if we had two parries, we could put a net between them and then play like back and forth like Batman. And then Buford, go, Buford goes, who's a net? And then, and then. It took you a minute to get that And then they keep talking and it's like, yeah, we'll set up, the, we'll set up a net. And he goes, again, who is a net? And it took me a minute to understand what he was confused about. And that's a good joke. But again, it's like weird old person who's on first humor. It's very, who's on, it's who's like on first. It's like airplane almost. Like it's surely you can't be serious. I am. Don't call me sure. Exactly. Yes. Um, but so then they turn to Perry, who is their inspiration, and he's gone because he always leaves when they start working on this their project. Go, Let's all go walk over there. Yeah, because okay. yeah. Perry, <laughs> Perry's hidden behind a tree to go down to his lair to get his assignment from the OWCA. And to distract them, he throws a rock, and they're like, oh, what was, was that, that small that? noise? Let's all go walk <laughs> over there. <laughs> and so, yeah, he goes down to his lair. This is weird because they give us, like, it's not bad, but they give us just a ton of exposition dropped oh, in dump, this dump, But, like, the thing is, I think the movie knows it's exposition that isn't interesting because it just kind of, like, tries to do it. They just it. have Major Monogram just like blast it out at you. Yes. Basically like he cannot, this is like where they're setting up the stakes that so, like he cannot reveal his identity to Phineas and Ferb or else he has to have a new host family and he'll never see the boys again. Right, because then we see the flashback of them at the adoption center and we see it from the OWCA yes. point of view where you see young Major Monogram who's, who is it, doesn't have gray hair. Did you say like maybe you'll make unpaid intern or something? <laughs> yes, because Carl is his assistant and he's the unpa- and he's uh, an unpaid intern. They pay him in college credit. Yeah. There's actually I- I love that joke. Again, not a joke for children. <laughs> There's an incredible line. Um, I think it's, I assume it's from the TV show or something where whatever happens, Dr. Doofenshmirtz and Major Monogram are locked up together. Um, I think Carl turns evil for an episode or whatever. And he goes, wait, what do you pay Carl? And uh, Major Monogram goes, nothing. We pay him in college credit. And Dr. Doofenshmirtz just goes, are you sure uh, you're not the evil one? <laughs> Which is an incredible joke. Actually, you know what? We'll talk to him. He's going to be in on a second. You can say Candace is the best character. We all know the best character in the show is Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Oh, yeah. He is the funniest. Talk about a lot of jokes that are not for children. No, but he is incredible. They also established, again, these are things that are come up later, so I need to talk about them. Every agent has a thing in their fedoras that lets them scan technology. Yes. So the OWCA can rebuild it and analyze it and learn from it. So they've been doing that with all of Dr. Doofenshmirtz, who is Perry's nemesis, all of the machines he builds, and they've largely been stupid because all of his inventions are largely stupid. And they always have a um, self-destruct button. Yes, but they managed to repurpose a bunch of it into new technology for Perry, which Carl starts showing him. It's kind of like his James Bond uh, Q, moment. Q moment of giving him like a watch that has an electromagnetic uh, electromagnet and a communicator in it. Is that is it just I a watch? There's a joke. There's, there's a joke where there's like a fish a harpoon that's only to be used against the British royals or yes, something yeah. like that. Well, that's like a 
cutaway again. It's a cutaway again. It's like they're showing him all the tools and it is so boring. They cut away from it. Yes. And they cut back and they're like, well, this will only have to be used uh, if you're ever attacking the uh, seated member of the British royal family. <laughs> yes. So you can probably just leave the safety on. The reason they cut away is because we go back up to the platyball game uh, that they're getting set up. And the thing they didn't establish when they um, made the concept is that so they built these two giant robot parries and then they are the birdie in this game of Batman. So they get in like a massive vessel shaped like a shuttlecock um, and are getting ready for takeoff. And then Perry gets in his rocket car. He leaves as the two are launched, him and his rocket car and them and the shuttlecock, they bounce off of each other in midair because he doesn't mm-hmm. see them coming. And so it sends the shuttlecock off course and it lands in Dr. Dr. Doofenshmirtz's building with, of course, the jingle, Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated, which is will forever be in my brain until I die. It's it's like, I feel like they made the jingle as a joke, but it's also an incredibly catchy jingle. So yeah, they land in Dr. Doofenshmirtz's house. He's getting everything set up. He's got like a buffet for Perry to come and ruin his plans. He's built a another dimensioninator, I think is what it's called. Next dimensioninator, who cares? Um, that is supposed to allow him to go through to another dimension. He's talking with Norm, his robotic assistant, who I, I, it doesn't, it really hit me in this movie that like, if you, I don't know if you remember, Norm was just supposed to be like a one-off thing because the enemy of Platypus is man. So he built a man <laughs> robot. And I think they just really liked having Dr. Ruvenschwartz having someone to bounce off of. So they just brought Norm back and again, and he basically becomes his comic foil. Phineas and Ferb crash into the Inator and they're like, I don't want to say it's like the Avengers Endgame moment of everyone coming out of the portals, but it's like the world's colliding. Because yeah, like, I wrote down, I was like, they never interact with Doofenshmirtz, right? Like this yes, is no, weird. this is totally, I th- I'm sure they do in some way, like in for like five seconds, but they like formally introduce themselves as being like, hi, I'm Phineas, this is my brother Ferb. I'm Dr. Heinz of Doofenshmirtz. I'm not going to attempt to do his voice. Only, no. Only the, only the guy who does, and I think he's also the creator of the show, can do One that voice. Creators, yeah. he, it's It's an insane voice. And they're like, hey, really sorry, we messed up your machine, man. Tell you what, we're pretty good with machines. We will fix it for you. No problem. I, I think... I, All I know is at one point here, they there is a joke that is moving on up to the set to a penthouse apartment in the sky. They do the Jefferson's theme song. Oh, I don't remember that. But yeah, when they like land in the penthouse, because this is the penthouse of this building. And oh. I wrote it down and I was like, what kid is... Good? They don't actually sing the song, but it's they do the lines where it's like, moving on up. Oh, to the set a penthouse apartment. They do oh, the fucking okay. lines. And I was like... What fucking kid is picking up on that? Gotcha, gotcha. So then also I think we cut back to Candace and she has her friend Stacy over who I've always really liked Stacy. She's a great, again, speaking There's of- There's two really good lines in this scene. That she's like, Candace is like throwing out things in her all childhood. All of her childhood. Like, there's like a unicorn stuff. stuff. Mm-hmm. Or I think the mom walks in at one point and she's like, I'm ready to get started on my completely undemanding adult life. And the mom's like, mm, good luck with that. <laughs> yes. Because the mom, as always, the mom is doing something else so she doesn't see what's going on. So she and the dad are going to a movie. Oh yeah, she walks in to say you are in charge of the boys we're going to a movie right and she's like wait a minute if i'm an adult if i'm being an adult now that means also candace's whole thing is that she wants to bust her brothers and show her mom that she's building they're building all this insane technology and it's incredibly unsafe which is candace right if you think about it a little I mean, bit they could have died many times yeah absolutely i'm just wondering is candace the walter peck of if we're making a ghostbusters equivalency like she's wrong because we need the movie to happen yeah, but, but she's, she's right, right on paper but she's like wait a minute if mom's gone, I'm in charge and I'm an adult now. That means I don't need my mom to bust my brothers. I can. I can do that. She goes down to where the first platypus is and I think it just disappears or something because something, it always disappears, you know. Well, she starts making this hypothesis that there's a mysterious force that yes. makes everything that her brothers do wrong disappear before before an adult can see it. And yes. she's like, look, it disappeared. 
I am the adult. Like mm-hmm. I, the divorce agrees the with me. The divorce agrees with me that I am now the adult. And this is where her best friend Stacy has a great line. That's like, I don't know if I believe in this force. I mean, I am a woman of science. <laughs> At least that's what my horoscope says. <laughs> that is a great line. That's now her her quest. Is that now that she thinks she can bust the boys, so she's gonna go do that. But also to your point about the mysterious force, that's not just from this movie. That's established in the show that they oh. all know that they disappear because there's literally one episode where she makes them build something so they can all just watch it and wait and like see where it goes when mom comes home yeah she's goes to set out and find the other platypult launcher thing then we cut back to perry who is mm-hmm. getting his car towed and again there's a really specific running joke where there's a tow truck guy who has oh, yeah, who yeah. has perry's uh, rocket car launched everybody's like man i'm sure i'm glad i invested in this uh, rocket car winch they all said it wouldn't come in handy and here we are um, and he will come back later because everything comes back. But that so- is well tenant of both the show and this movie is that the jokes are all secular. Like they will set up something circular. Sur- secular. Like it's a cycle. Okay, is that fair a word? enough. Fair enough. I think you think so. Yeah. Um, but it's like they will set something up in the beginning that seems stupid, and it will come full circle in a way you didn't expect. In a way you didn't expect. Totally. Um, but he uses like a jetpack or whatever to get up to the top of the Doofenshmirtz building, and he sees that Phineas and Ferb are working on helping him. helping him build the machine he's and again i want to give props to this is like for a character who does not speak because he can only go um you can really see like how freaked out he is and like how conflicted he is about what he should do because he's going between his job and uh his best friends and there's again as emma mentioned the self-destruct button they're talking like hey uh dr doofenshmirtz we were just going over the specs for everything and we noticed everything is kind of wired through this self-destruct <laughs> button do you really need that and he's like well of course i Let's hang on a second Actually, no, no, I don't. You can take that right out. And basically, it's it's not stated really here yet, but the machine didn't work. Yeah. Which it, you, normally, all of his stuff does work, but this did, did not, not work, work until Phineas until took that out. Yeah, they made their modifications. And they like uh, are going to put in like the last piece, and they finally notice Perry, who's taken off his fedora, and so they just... so And goes on all fours. And I will say one thing that I... When talking about Perry, it is a little tough. I think there's moments of this movie that don't super work for me in simply because of... like I like that they interact with Doofenshmirtz at certain points, but I do think mixing this formula of taking Phineas there's a lot of things where they're mixing up the characters usually interact so they're taking Phineas and Ferb and putting them with Perry as an agent mm-hmm. and Doofenshmirtz is like with himself and Candace is not with the boys and then their friends are with them where there's like large swaths of this movie where the only fucking talking character is, is Phineas, Phineas and yeah. I'm like shut the fuck up like yeah, I had, it's so annoying like I, they're just like I want him to have someone to talk back to and he's trying to have like an emotion and it's not like his fault it's not like the actor's fault but he's trying to have an emotional roundabout with like Ferb who is silent and Perry who is silent and I'm like this is so stupid I have this exact exact same note and also again you know the voice actor playing Phineas is an adult man and I don't think he can hold the Phineas voice for like long emotional tangents where he's just kind of like you're a secret agent blah 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 blah, and then that goes on for like five minutes and then it'll continue again and there's no way to break up his sentence absolutely Uh, you and I are on the same page on that but also I'll bring this up here in case you couldn't tell by the title they go to another dimension and they all meet alternate versions of themselves did you not think this would have been a great opportunity to have the Ferb from the other dimension talk, talk and the yes. Phineas from this dimension I, and then maybe they get mixed up so they get like one was actually, a talking pair that was a note that I had 
later on when they do meet their other dimension selves. I like what they did with other dimension Candace, like having it be like that reversal I thought was very smart for the plot point of her wanting to like protect her brothers and be a real adult. But like, I thought they could have had a lot more fun with some of the other dimension yeah. things. Like I think there could have been a lot smarter ways to play with like Phineas and Ferb, even like Isabella mm -hmm. and things like, I think there, I thought there was like some missed opportunities with like how fun could you make this have you could you have her be dating i just thought there was more things they could have played with yeah i think we'll, we'll touch on it in a second because we're about to go to the other dimension but once they get to the other dimension i think they had an idea for what they wanted it to be and i think they stick to it just a little too closely to shut and it shuts off some of the ideas we're talking about but yeah there's a whole bit where perry is trying to stop them from helping doofenshmirtz like he gets mm -hmm. in the way he snags the last piece and he pees on the couch he pees on the couch um also doofenshmirtz doesn't recognize perry because he doesn't have his oh yes on. that's also from the show always you yes. he and there's an amazing joke about it later, but that's always established. He can only recognize Perry when he's wearing the fedora. Yes. Um, all of yeah, all of these things don't uh, delay them enough. They put the last piece on the machine. The machine like spits out a port. Oh, excuse me. There is an important note. Is they also added a remote that is a, like a portable version of the machine. So if you get separated from the machine, you can jump back through the portal. Um, so they're going to bring that with them because they, they're also they're also just down with this now. They're like, we want to go to another yeah. dimension. Might as well, right? But so the portal like opens up. It's like a green thing. And there's and since they opened it up in front of his dirty, now piss-covered couch, yes. it's there's a much nicer couch on the other side. And they're like... It isn't piss-covered. Right, because he's like, look at the majesty of another dimension. And then it's just it's another... It's a really nice couch. It's just a couch. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. Let's switch my couch with this couch. And so so he goes in there and starts trying to move the couch and they hop in too. And they quickly realize, or he quickly realizes that but right behind him is Major Monogram, the head of the OWCA, Perry Spy Agency. But he's like a, uh, he's like a secretary, like yes. an assistant information guy. He's in like guy. a different uniform. Yeah. And he's like not sure how to interact with him. And Ma Major Monogram calls him like, sir, like, is this a test? Like what's going on? And he goes, wait, what are you talking about? And Phineas and Ferb go out to a railing and look out on the entire, uh, the tri-state area. And I immediately start- that actually i think is my favorite joke is that of every of the whole <laughs> series is that the, he's only trying to take, take over, over the tri-state tri area i specifically i actually forgot i've seen so many episodes of the show and i forgot that that's always his plan oh i've never forgotten it's that. always the tri-state like area in the greatest thing of the tri-state area and it's so funny because tri-state area is just it's such a specific thing but also just is such a thing from infomercials that no one ever says really <laughs> like it's so funny i i just i love it yes it's a, again it's incredible like really small joke that you really wouldn't yes. get think of as it for children because yeah he, uh they see a world that is like incredibly technologically advanced and they see on a bunch of signs that it is run by dr doofenshmirtz uh this is their this is kind of like this is kind of like a back to the future to like biffville dimension well, yes. like what if biff had won when like yes. everything is owned by biff mm -hmm. and it's all casinos and except for it's not casinos it's all run by robots it's like, all run by robots everything is like it's like a dictatorship basically like you're like compelled to work in factories and stuff like that it's like dark danville uh, the Danville's the name of the town. The Tri-State area is bigger. And Doofen, they called Doofenshmirtz over to see this, being like, hey, you're famous here. And he's like, oh, wow, the, my counterpart must have actually done it, must have taken over the Tri-State area. This is awesome. And so he runs to Major Monogram being like, hey, guess what? I'm that guy, but from another dimension. And he goes, oh, okay, he's going to want to see you then. Just go right through. And there's like a weird, like, it's a small world ride that he gets on. Like he hops in a chair and it like brings him on a track into normal or evil. Do I can't, I guess not evil Doofenshmirtz, competent Doofenshmirtz. Yeah. <laughs> 
his office. Uh, yeah, he just meets his other universe counterpart who looks like him, except he has an eye patch. But there's a scar going like a, across, going over his eye, but then also it goes over the eye patch. And he even says like, "Why does your scar go over your eye patch?" He goes, "What are you talking about?" And he says, Never mind. And then this leads to our second song, which is also pretty good. I like. I think it's fine about where they like talk about all the things they have in common and how excited yes, they are. Yes, I actually liked this. I song. did too. I, I liked, just... thought it was funny. This is a larger. This set piece is very funny. I liked the. They test each other to like yes. prove that he's like rice. What's your favorite on some rice pudding? That was a test. <laughs> It's disgusting. And then he offers him something he likes. Um, uh, peanut brittle. Yeah, yeah. Peanut brittle or umbrella or something. And then they sing this song about, like, me, you're, it's like basically your best friend is yourself. Mm-hmm. And keeping in the tradition of who the fuck is this for, <laughs> it is shot like a old school sitcom piece. Yeah, they do multiple sitcoms. And they do multiple sitcoms, like, deep, deep cuts into sitcom lore where they are Laverne and Shirley mm-hmm. in one and La- Laverne and Shirley the opening. I, there's a bunch. I'm just picking out the ones that I was like, what kid is doing this? <laughs> there's a I Love Lucy moment where they're Ethel and Lucy. Mm-hmm. And there's also, um, oh shit, there's a Honeymooners one. <laughs> they're like, I like there's really, really old shows calling calling back to in this like fake TV theme song. And again, I was like, who is this for? Me, because it's, it's funny. funny. I mean, I enjoyed it. And I, I'll say this up front. Is I think... so. Competent Doofenshmirtz is the villain of the movie, basically. And I think you get kind of a mixed bag from that because Dr. Doofenshmirtz is just so funny that we've like, we don't take him, if you've seen the show before, obviously, you don't really take him as a threat, you know? And so like when you see Competent Doofenshmirtz riffing off of normal Doofenshmirtz, it's kind of like, well, now I'm not really scared of this guy. And it also just kind of get it. It, dry, it gets a little boring after a while. I'll I say. think it's boring. Yeah, it gets, gets boring, boring after I think a while. There's more. I would have preferred this to be a movie where their villain is like stakes. If that makes sense, like if there were. You know what I mean? Because like, Doofenshmirtz is like he is not a scary villain. I want him to be central to the story, but I don't think that means we need to bring in bigger bad. I think you could have just written a script where the villain is stakes, where the villain is Ferb is trapped in an alternate dimension. He's going to disappear forever, and you have to team up with Doofenshmirtz to get him back. You know what I mean? Like the theme is Perry is getting sent away. Like, like I don't think there needs to be a big bad villain because it, this does get. He's not a very engaging villain. Yeah, that's and the it problem. gets really boring. And it's and it's not not funny enough like yeah because he's not funny doofenshmirtz is funny competent doofenshmirtz no. is not funny and so after the song they basically he basically breaks down and also again i will say talking about people taking this show successful show format into a movie where you're mixing up the pairings of people i love dr doofenshmirtz i find him very funny his voice on top of each other for that <laughs> long is very grating it like is, i was like this is a, little, a lot yeah. this is a lot it's a lot of the shriek, shrieking, screaming. Like, it's a lot. <laughs> um, but basically, after the song, they catch up with each other being like, okay, so you got to tell me, how did you take over the tri-state area when I've tried? And he's like, well, basically, I'm more evil than you. And again, this I don't think this is as funny as the movie thinks it is, is that he's more evil because when they were a child, he, he lost, lost a, toy train. a toy train and it created like a dark seed within him that he But never... meanwhile, the real Doofenshmirtz has like, like... He goes on like his tangents of his life, and it they're like truly horrible. Yeah, like, yeah. No one ever loved me. There's a point where he's like, neither of my parents showed up for my birth. Yeah, which are all callbacks to the show. These are things that are all brought up in the show that are just constantly. Neither of my parents showed up for my birth is a hilarious. It story. is. They're all they're always great. I mean, his his insane backstory, like where he had to work as a garden gnome, and it's like it's always funny. We also and he sees so he's like yeah, basically I'm more evil because of that. Um, and he and I the the only reason that it is slightly funny is that Doofenshmirtz is just like that is 
is stupid. Like, I, it's not even a train that he particularly cared about. He's just like, really? The train that we had? Okay. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, what happened to yours? He's like, well, I never lost mine. And I don't care. It's just a toy yeah. I had. But we see, like, well, it was important enough for me that I created this army of robots. And we see his, like, dark stormtrooper-esque mm-hmm. robots who are all actually Norm. They have, like dark, mean, scary heads, and then norm heads that pop out. And he's like, yep, uh, that's how I did that. And he's like, well, what did you, how did you beat Perry the Platypus? And he's like, oh, I think you mean Perry the Platyborg. And this is, again, a thing that I do not find as interesting as the movie thinks it is, is that he's turned this dimension's Perry into like a, a, cyborg. a, a Terminator kind of, he's like the general of his army kind of a thing. And it doesn't look as cool as it could, I feel like. It's just like a bunch of robot parts mm-hmm. and his head has got a black he's thing. Little platypus and tail. he's got like a spike on his tail. It's it's, it's fine, which I found redundant because if you, I platypus, platypus I already have a venomous stinger. Uh, fun fact. Oh. Yeah. Then the boys in Perry. Come yeah, the, pa- the boys in Perry come in. Oh yeah. And he doesn't recognize him without the fedora. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, I have a note about a Georgia O'Keeffe painting. And I There's a joke about a Georgia O'Keeffe painting. And I, don't, I can't remember the setup. Someone said something like, "I'm a Georgia O'Keeffe painting," and I was like, "What?" First of all, like <laughs> those are vaginas. Second of all, I don't even remember what. That I don't remember. I just I wrote down Georgia. It, it's a passing joke where they're like falling from the sky, and you like hear like it's not even a main character that says it. I don't think. May, I, I can't recall. I just remember hearing the name George O'Keefe and being thrown into a fugue state of like, who would write this joke in a film for children? But yeah, uh, Phineas Ferb and Perry come in and he, they're like, who are these people? He's like, oh, they're with me. Don't worry about it. They're from my dimension. He, and he, Compton Doofus were just freaking out. I was like, no, why would you bring That's a secret agent? Why would you bring a secret agent in here? He's like, no, what are you talking about? That's just their pet platypus. And he's like, oh my God, you haven't figured it out yet. And uh, he sends a robot to attack Perry and he just kind of shoves it across the room and Perry just recovers and is being a platypus shakes. Off and he goes, He's not trying to blow his cover. Yes. And then he goes, Now, wait a minute, robot. Do the same thing, but to Phineas and Ferb. And to the boys. Or, excuse me, it's not a robot, it's Platyborg. And when he goes to try to attack Phineas and Ferb, Perry has to stand up, put his hat on, and defend them. And they like freak out, and Doofenshmirtz freaks out because he's finally put it together. (laughs) That that's even actually no, he hasn't finally put it together because he has to go through it again with him later. Also, the funniest, um, the funniest thing there is when he does. He realizes that it's pretty the platypus. He goes, hey, you peed on my couch. <laughs> that was a, a conscious, conscious choice. <laughs> that wasn't an accident. That was a conscious choice. Yes. I also have now, now I have here, after that was kind of this George O'Keefe reference, and I still don't know I can't recall. what that is. Oh, no, I do remember what it is. They have to fight their way out, basically, because yes. Comet and Doofenshmirtz has turned on them. And they pull like and a, their Doofenshmirtz. Yeah, yeah. But they have they have, they pull like a piece of art off the wall, which is like a skull with horns, like it's like oh, a skull. Yes. And they slam it on Norm's head, on one of the robots' head. And in Norm's voice, he says, "Look at me, I'm a George O'Keefe painting." Um, which Norbot, get Norm me, Bot. I'm a George O'Keefe painting. Yes. yes. Uh, again, no one would understand that reference. But yeah, which they, is I think actually an ode to be really art history with y'all, not her flower vagina work there are there's famous works of hers that are cow skulls like this like yeah I'm looking that at are like now. basically the heads of cows and bulls that and like antlers like that it's an it's an I don't know, that. that one did look pretty vagina-y even though being yeah i mean but i, I assumed that be, i didn't get that at first because when i think george o'keefe i think a flower but now that i'm remembering what that piece of art was that was on the robot's head it was no to the skull paintings which is an even deeper even deeper cut, cut. Even a deeper cut. cut. but yeah so the basically the perry the platyborg is chasing them as they try and escape the building they go out through like a window they slide down the 
building. It's a big action scene. And during all a of this... A lot of this movie, we're just going to have to fast forward. Yeah. It's like animated action sequences that are basically impossible to describe. Right. Um, but during all of this, Phineas is trying to like freak out on Perry being like, oh my God, you're a secret agent. You never told, you never us. told us. You didn't trust me. Like, and, and yet again, it's literally just him talking and it gets really It grating. does, yes. Also, Doofenshmirtz said he doesn't actually love you. You're just his cover. You're yeah. his cover story. And so he's like, "Is was that true? Like, are you really just staying in our house as a cover? Like, are your assignment? Blah, 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 blah. It's also really frustrating because I hate movies, and I'm sure I've said this on this podcast before. I really dislike movies when the only thing that's creating a conflict is when two people can't have a conversation. Like when it's like they both have the best of intentions, no one's really done anything wrong. They both care about each other, but they are just because of timing or some other stupid third party force, they can't have a conversation. The third party force here is that Perry can't I was gonna have say, a conversation. Yes. <laughs> Perry does not speak so English. It's literally just more frustrating. I'm like, can't we put like a little voice box on and he could be like, I love you? And then the problem. <laughs> I was hoping so they reference in this movie I think it was during the Doofenshmirtz song they reference the guy who played Meep like Lorenzo Lamas or something like that um, but the thing is, he had a mustache that he would translate his everything he said into English. So I was wondering if that was going to come back. Mm. They would put the mustache on Perry and let him talk or something. But basically, they managed to evade the robots uh, in Plataborg. And they decide, we need help to get out, to get home. Oh, no, no. Excuse me. They take the remote out and are like, oh, let's just go home. We're not dealing with this well, anymore. Go back to our own dimension. Um, but when they tr- use the lever on the remote to try and open the portal, it goes to a different dimension, like the same one mm. over and over. And they're like, oh, it's broken. We're going to need like help. It's like a happy caterpillar in flowers. Like, it looks like... Like drugs. Yeah, it looks like kind of like uh, under under Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. There is like a weird caterpillar on a flower. I was confused with what you were saying for a second, but then I remembered. Um, and they're like, we're going to need help to fix it. Let's go find us in this dimension. Surely they will be able to help us. They're also su- I feel like it's not touched on enough in the show, but Phineas and Ferb are super geniuses, yeah, yeah. essentially. But so they managed to sneak their way home. There's also, I think we cut back for a bit to Candace um, meeting up or like trying to figure out more about this mysterious force and what all, and I literally just wrote down the mysterious force is just the writing like yeah. that's all it is and I that's true in the show too but I just I find it funny they're talking it's almost like it's almost meta like it's almost fourth wall yeah, breaking it's, it's it's making fun of itself because yeah I think she manages to find the second plata launcher and finds Buford yeah and stuff. Buford and them were like sitting in the park yeah and is like where's the thing and he's like I don't know it went away and then the tow truck driver comes back being like they thought I was just crazy to have this hook for a platypus, but here we are again. They were wrong. This is where Buford and them have existentialist trading cards. Um, and he's like, I'll give you a Kierkegaard for something. Like, I think, who I think is that, that I think that for? comes up when the next time we cut into them when they get the portal working again. But yeah, he's like, I'm just sitting here chewing victory gum. And then they get a jingle where he lifts it up and goes, victory gum. And then he goes, and, and like he references some philosophers, like, and they all look at him being like, came with a gum, philosopher yeah, trading yeah. cards. <laughs> and uh, and then later on, Belgique trades him like a Nietzsche for two Kierkegaard, yes. I think, yes. Um, which is, again, an incredibly insane joke. But so then we come back to Phineas and Ferb. They're at their house. Um, their dad sees them as he's leaving, being like, what are you boys doing outside? Get inside. I have to go to the factory. I have to go to the factory. And he just, like, lifts a hoop up, and a car speeds by and, like, grabs him. He's just dangling on the outside of it. And so they head inside. Their mom only lives in the basement or something. And she's like, like I got to go hide in the basement. Like, yeah. basically everyone in this this universe is, is terrified. Like, living in fear yes. constantly in a bunker, basically. Of, ro- of doof robots. Um, there's also actually a pretty good joke before they ring the doorbell where they're just like, hey, Perry, you should probably get down on all fours just in case they don't know. You know, but again, it's awkward because only Phineas gets to talk and the timing is weird. Yeah. So then they go in and see themselves sitting on the couch. And they're playing a board game. Playing, and then they spin like a Doof-opoly. one. It's like Doofopoly. And they spin a one and they pull the card and he's like, conform. I, I can, can do, do that. that. <laughs> again, like the jokes that work really work. It's, uh, 
feel like we're just listing them all off, but they are funny. And so they go over to themselves and are like, hey guys, I know this is pretty crazy, but we're you. And before he even finish, they see Perry and are like, oh my gosh, Perry, you're back. Because the doof dimension, they haven't seen Perry in forever and now he's a cyborg. Yeah, which they don't even know because they didn't know he was a secret agent. Um, and they're like, actually, that's our Perry. We're you from another dimension. We need your help. And they're like, oh, well, that's kind of a disappointment. But okay, uh, I don't know what kind of help you want though. We're just two kids. Like, And they're like, well, what, what have you been doing with your summer? And they go, summer? They don't know what summer is. Oh, it's summer, and that's what the whole show's about, everybody. So then they sing a song. Yeah, and this was the explaining first explaining summer to them. Yeah, and this was the first one where I kind of was like, I think these songs are all pretty good, but I don't think they did a great job inserting them necessarily. This serves no narrative. This serves really no narrative purpose. It just feels like, eh, throw a song there, that'll work. But I will say, it gets got got me really good where they start singing about all the great things about summer, and then they transition to singing their own theme song. Yeah, it's like, like locating Frank. It's on Frank. It's over here. And like building and finding and a donut bird and. Yeah, 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 yeah. Driving, 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 driving our sister and all the stuff and then they like stop and they're like I think we're going a little fast and you see Phineas like having a panic like other dimension Phineas having they're a panic like attack because it's just so much stuff at once and they go back to like a Jenna like summer it's about ice cream and sunshine so yeah they finish the song and they're like oh that all sounds great we would definitely really like to help you and then other dimension Candace comes down and sees she goes are there four of you in this room and she just turns around and be like nope I'm not dealing with this I have plausible deniability yeah she turns around and also Phineas goes Five counting Perry. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and they're like, wow, usually Candace is all up in our business. You're other dimension. You must have a great in this other dimension. And they're like, well, we did. We obviously we don't know anything about this stuff. Like we can't help you. And they go, okay, well, what about like Isabella, Belgit, Buford, all of your friends? And they're like, we don't know any of those people. They don't leave the house. Yes. And they're and he's like, you don't even know Isabella. She lives right across the street. And he goes, we're not we're not allowed to leave the house. Candace or mom says are like going outside is bad. And they hear the mom shot from the basement. It is. <laughs> um, and they're like, okay, we got to go talk to Isabella. So they go try and cross the street and a Normbot comes up and hassles them out for like their ID card or whatever and it suddenly starts sputtering and freaking out and Buford is on top of it but it's other dimension Buford so he's got like a mohawk that he's shaved in. He's part of the resistance. No he's not part of the resistance. He, he, was, he was part of the resistance but then he got too into it and started to resist the resistance. <laughs> and that's his whole Doesn't bit. Doesn't Perry escape here? Um uh, is he Oh right there's an um competent Doofenshmirtz thank you has asked normal Doofenshmirtz to build rebuild the machine so he can go back to their dimension and then they can conquer it with all of his robots. And so Doofenshmirtz has done it, but it doesn't work because he's like, yeah, the kids may have made some modifications to my machine that made it, you know, function. So it doesn't uh, work without Phineas and Ferb. Correct. And so he is like, okay, well, great. Now I can't just like nuke them or whatever. Like I have to capture them. You have to go find them. I have to go find them. So he goes on like the Doof TV channel or whatever and says. <laughs> it's the evil news update. It's the evil, the evil news update being like, hey, guess what? Perry the platypus. If you turn yourself in. I think the general idea. I don't even understand this plan. No, I think the idea is that they're going to, they want Perry. So then the boys will come to them for their pet back is I think the idea. So they say, Perry, turn yourself in. We promise we won't hurt the kids. And so Perry leaves to go turn himself in so they won't hurt Phineas and Ferb. The logistics here are quite all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I mean, it's also... They're me using Perry as bait to catch Phineas, Phineas and, and Ferb. Ferb. Well, because I think if they said, Phineas and Ferb, turn yourselves in, we won't hurt you, they wouldn't do it. But if they have something they want... Yes. 
And Perry doesn't know that, that I, well, I guess he, man, he doesn't really know that they need to need them to rebuild the machine. I will say, I already talked about this. This movie is paced like a bullet train. It is like everything is happening. The only time there is a real respite from the plot going on is the songs like we talked about. Everything else is just like, boom, 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 boom. We're moving, we're moving, we're moving. And I think that's inherently yeah. because it's a shorter movie. Um, the animated ones are usually shorter. And I, I, like I said, I think it's just like the format of Phoenix Verb, but you don't notice because normally it's half an hour yeah, or 15 yeah. minutes, whatever. And so like, it really feels like this is moving in a quick quick clip um but yeah he leaves to go turn himself in and they're all like i can't believe he'd just leave like why would he do that he must not again, really care it, about again, us it's like this I, I wrote this note where it's like there's not a lot of legit conflict except for this like fake conflict of like phineas being like he doesn't love us but he does love them and he's going to protect them so as an audience you're like this is just a miscommunication yeah a little bit but so yeah they're they buford has neutralized one of the robots for them and then he's like here i'll show you or they get pulled down into the sewers, whatever, and they get tied up by all the fireside girls. Oh, yeah. I did remember this. And I I, I I didn't say this up top, but I do feel like I've seen parts of this movie. I've never oh, seen I'd it seen all it the way I'd through. I've seen it before. I've never seen it all the way through. Maybe I had walked it on you watching it, but I vividly, or maybe I'd seen the commercial. Again, my brain is cottage cheese at this age. <laughs> but I remembered a few distinct things. I remembered Candace as the revolutionary leader. Mm-hmm. We'll see that. I remembered this scene of, like, Isabella and, like, the Girl Scouts being, like, the fireside girls. Yeah, the, the fireside girls were like revolutionaries and they like tie them up in the garage and Isabella had like blue streaks in her hair. I remember that pretty vividly. But yeah. that was like one of the only things I remember about this fucking movie. Because <laughs> yeah, they get captured Which by the fireside girls. Which is a real non, non-plot point. No, it's only for like five seconds. They Because yeah, Isabella captures them and is like, who are you guys? What do you want? And they're like, Isabella, it's us. We're your best friends. But also we know you don't know that because we're from another dimension. We're tr- that where you need to get to Doofenshmirtz to get our pet platypus back and maybe we need to like stop him. Maybe that doesn't really seem yes. a priority yet. And once she, uh, and like, I think Buford vouches for them. And once she susses out that they're not a threat, she unties them. No, that's what it is. We need to fix yeah. the portal. Like we talked about, we need to fix the portal gun. And they're like, okay, well we can't make that call. You're going to have to talk to our leader. And so they go into like the revolutionary base underground. It's just, you know, it's the sewers basically. It's like <laughs> an underground bunker kind of a thing that they just have for whatever reason. And uh, um, this is actually a great joke is yeah, they pull, they go like, and there's a figure standing in the shadows and has a very deep voice. And then as they get closer to it, it they, the deep voice goes, who put wild parsnips here? Everyone knows I'm that <laughs> And then Candace walks out, which is again, a callback this to the show. Funny. Yeah, because that's from the show is that she's learned to parsnips and her voice gets like that when she's near them. It's an incredible Wasn't there, like a dummy that made her look like a giant man too. There was like something. There was a, yeah, there was a hedge of wild oh, parsnips, and then they move it out of the way and it oh, changes the voice. Oh, I didn't realize back. that was the parsnips. Yeah, that because she has to walk past it and makes her voice oh, all scratchy. Oh my god! And then yeah, that's the that's the bit. Um, and then she's like, "Okay, you guys, I can't believe I have to reveal that I am the revolutionary leader to you, a holes. Um, you're I do whatever it takes. Get out of my dimension. I don't want you endangering my brothers. Like you took them outside. Her whole thing in this dimension is that she's which worried. is supposed to be a foil for her in the other dimension, which is that she actually is an adult because she is just trying to protect her brothers instead of trying to like bust them. She is yes. she has real responsibilities and is caring about real things instead of like Jeremy. She has adult responsibilities. Correct. And she's supposed to be like kind of badass. She has like a cool black outfit yes. and stuff. I love her outfit. She's wearing like a bandana and aviator sunglasses. And she has like grenades on yes. her. It's, it's pretty impressive. Oh no, the dark grades. It's like grappling hooks. But yeah, so she clears them to go home and so she sends them to talk to Dr. Baljeet. Again, like there could have been something funnier with Baljeet. I just feel like these yeah. were lazy. Like this was 
Like alternate dimension Belgique could have been something very fun. I think ultimate dimension Isabella could have been something fun. Like Candace is a really fun play, but like I think it's all supposed to be teaching us a lesson. Like I, I think we could have done some fun alternate dimension shit. But that's what I was saying, because I feel like they painted themselves into a box with yeah. this, you know, dystopian doof dictatorship, the three Ds, if you will. But also it kind of just felt weird to me because Abaljit is supposed to be like really smart. Like he gets like A's all the time and he's very neurotic about his yeah. grades and everything. But he's not like smart like Phineas and Furbar, I don't think. He's not like a genius that he can build things as far as I'm aware. But I think like they were just doing that um, trope of like the underground resistance movement who has the smart person that builds all their weapons and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, is Abaljit like a genius? He, he's really, really smart, but he does, I don't think he builds like robots and stuff like Phineas and Ferb do. So Phineas explains to Abaljit that the portal gun should work, but it doesn't. It just takes them to this one weird dimension and not to their original. And he tells them that the way energy, again, this is all exposition. The way energy flows to the universe is like a circle. So you went from their dimension clockwise. It all flows clockwise. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really easy to go clockwise, but it's really hard to go counterclockwise. And so with just the remote. This was a lot. So with just to... the remote, you can't go counterclockwise. I asked Luke like six questions about this when it became <laughs> a factor because I didn't understand. What I got from this conversation too was that you need a map amounts of power like back to the future style lightning tower like they needed Baljeet to be able to create a mass amount of power to be able to go back to their dimension because they had to go counterclockwise right Correct. through through the remote yes if you have the normal machine that Doofenshmirt has you can just do I it I didn't realize but that. because the remote is so I small that, it takes though. a lot of power um, but so he tells them like you can go the only way to get through your dimension with the remote and without all that power is that you would have to go around clockwise but no one knows how many alternate dimensions there yes. are so you could be doing it possibly infinitely I don't think he says that but that's implied but so he so he says it'll take however much all this power and it'll short out the local electrical grid he says it like seven times or becomes like a joke um, and then Candace is just like whatever do it send them home and so then here I think we cut back to Candace and Stacy in the normal dimension trying to figure out what's going on she He's like, we need to go back to the backyard and talk to the mysterious force. Yes, we need to pray to the mysterious force. We need to pray to the mysterious force. I think she even discusses building a shrine to it. Yes. And then Stacey's like, okay, come on, Candace. So they go into the backyard and are like, mysterious force, please, I just seek to understand you. Like, I want to know what's going on, et cetera, et cetera, all this stuff. And then nothing happens. And then Stacey's like, okay, Candace, you fully sound literally insane. And then the green portal <laughs> appears. And then Stacey's like, oh my God. Um, but so Phineas and we cut back to the Phineas and Ferb on the other side and they're like, okay, great. Let's hop right through. But then Doofenshmirtz puts the, puts the message on there. Doofenshmirtz, like, evil news update. Thank you. That we, they have Perry the Platypus. And he's doing like the resistance fist in his mugshot. <laughs> yeah, he Forgot about that. Um, like fight the power. Yes. Um, but they've captured Perry the Platypus. And, and also they broadcast his little mugshot. Yes. I guess it's just an update. I don't think they say come get him because they tra they set a trap later. Yeah. And they're like, Phineas and Ferb are like, we're not leaving without Perry. So we have to go rescue him. And Baljeet says, I can't keep this open forever. Any small disturbance could set it, could cause it to collapse. And then Candace goes through the portal on the other side and it just collapsed immediately. He goes, and like that. <laughs> Alternate dimension Candace is like, we cannot launch a rescue mission for your dumb platypus. I'm not putting everyone at risk for something that has nothing to do with us. Alternate dimension. God, it's getting so confusing. I know. So I, I, I'm just letting you die. Alt here, Alternate dimension. Phineas and Ferb are like, no, we have to help them. Like, you remember how hard it was when we lost our Perry. We can't let we them love go. Perry. Can't let them go through the same thing. And then Candace says, fine, but you two are staying here. Um, but then she normal. She doesn't want her Phineas and Ferb in danger. Right. And then normal Candace comes through and then she's like, okay, great, we're bringing her now too. She does. She's the only one who doesn't seem interested in the fact that she has an alternate dimension counterpart, basically. Got it. Um, but that is the mission now. They've got to go rescue Perry. Um, and we're going on a mission right now to take a quick break 
to go into the other dimension well, where we're already back. That didn't make any sense. That's a time travel thing. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'll see you in a second. We consider every day a plus to spend it with the platypus. We're always so ecstatic because he's semi-aquatic. Our ortho-winkus and heaven-us bring smiles to the both of us. Life's never fuddy-duddy with our wet-footed buddy. When we're brushing our teeth, I know what we're going to do today. What? Part two of this podcast. So Candace leads them on like an underground mine train they just have. Yeah, that leads directly into the Doofenshmirtz headquarters. Yes. And she's like briefing them being like, you know, the cell block is on the fourth floor. Buford chimes in saying like, and the snack bar is on the fifth floor. (laughs) And everyone looks at him. He's thinking about nachos. He's like, everyone looks at him and is like, I just want to get some nachos. Calm down. She she also kind of, I feel like she says it at this point, if not when they arrive, is that they're not going to help them. She's like, I'll point you in the right direction. Um, but I'm not wasting like manpower. She's saying like, this isn't our fight. I got yes. no skin in this game, basically. Totally. And so then they're just like taking yeah, taking this train trip. Also, I I, I should have brought this up when we got in the sewers for the first time. Why isn't their headquarters Perry's old base? I don't know. That's where I thought they were going with that, but it just seems like a random cavern, sewer, it's yeah. random sewer cavern. You know, a standard sewer cavern. Like that's the, what I'm saying. But that's a good example of things that it could have been more creative. Like they found Perry's old height, like the secret agent hideout, and they use it as a base. Like that. What's creative? I guess it would be because the boys don't know that he's a secret agent, so that would have... It'd be kind of hard to work out of his base and not... Or they could be like, we just found this thing. Yeah, but everything's platypus-themed. <laughs> but so on the train trip, Candace and alternate Candace have some time to chat. And she's like, so uh, what's what's your life like? like what do what you do? It, what do you do? What's, the, what's going on in your deal? And she's like, my entire life is making sure that my brothers stay safe and don't, uh, don't get hurt. I'm trying to make the world a better place for them. And she's like, wow, you really are adult. Like... <laughs> I feel like I have so much to learn from you. I'm going through my own adulting thing right now. But she asked her about Jeremy, right? She yeah, she's like, like, so what else do you have going on in your life? And she's like, this is my life. All that's, all that I have is the fight. And she goes, well, there's no one else in your life? Like someone named Jeremy? Jeremy Johnson? And she goes, Johnson? Yeah, he's over on the other street with a couple of other guerrilla fighters. He's a good, a good soldier. And she's like, a good soldier? You don't think he's, you know, Dreamy. cute? Cute? She goes, there's no time for love on the battlefield. <laughs> like, I'm making her voice much deeper than it actually is. But like we mentioned, the alternate Candace is kind of the best alternate just for that kind of the way they kind of play off each other like that. I don't know what happens next. Hang on. Um, I think just while they're on the train trip, we cut back to Doof. Stacy? No, I think Stacy's later. I think we cut back to Doof and other Doof. And he, and this is, I just want to bring this up because it's such a funny gag and we've talked about it so much, is that he has him set in like a, uh, um, a, a, a desk, like for a school desk and has a picture of a platypus. And he's like, okay, what do you see here? He goes, an ordinary platypus. And then he flips a page and it's a picture of Parrot the platypus. And he goes, now what is this? He goes, Parrot! 
destroy the, the planet. planet. But she goes, I'm starting to see why you haven't conquered the tri-state area. In your he's trying world. to teach him the fedora thing. Yeah, he's right? trying to teach him that the fedora is 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 not the like that without the fedora, he's still pair of the platypus. But so they arrive at like a it's kind of like a, a docking bay or something. Like there's like these big garage doors. She goes, okay, head on in fourth floor. Like I said, have fun. They're like, okay, thanks for everything. And they walk inside, or I think. Isabella and Buford are going to help, but Candace isn't going to help. And the oh, the boy, yeah, yeah, the, Can, the, the, Isabella and Buford are coming with, but Candace says, "I'm, I'm staying out of this." Yes, and the boy, the alternate Phineas and Ferb did stow away on the mission because they want to help, and now she's like, "Okay, definitely, I'm not helping you now. I've got to get them back where it's safe, etc." But they walk inside, and then Buford goes, "Oh, I don't remember being so dark in here." And then Candace goes, "Dark," and then the lights all come up, and evil doofen, confident Doofenshmirtz is like, "It was a trap, haha, We got you!" And all the norm bots flood them and catch them, and this. Is something I feel like I want to wanted to address because this is the first one that really hit me. Is it? I don't know if this was the Disney Plus of it, but do the decoms we usually watch? Do they have commercial breaks like this one did? Yes, right. I mean, I feel like there's scenes where they just cut the commercials in. There'd be like you know a fade to black and then fade up, but this one has full on like black. And then they will even like replay no, some of the okay, scene. Okay, okay, no, that normal decoms do not. But you can tell normal decoms are cut in mind with commercial breaks. Like you can, you I can always, especially a lot of the older ones. Like you can feel where they will like wrap up or they'll leave you on a cliffhanger, and it's like you brought what to lunch, and like you can feel the oh they're gonna cut for commercial there. But it's not factored in. And sometimes I'll do a fade out and a fade in, but it's not like this one. You're right. They'll like replay some of the scene as like it's like you're coming back from. Commercial. Um, and, and I think part of that was just the, for the, the animation of it, like, uh, you know, that they were just able to replay it and would not feel out of place. But so he, all the bots are around them and they're trying to figure out uh, and, and like, I, I think I don't think he tells them he wants them to fix every, the no, thing. No, he's trying yet. to force them to. No, I think that's later because I think this, the way they get out of it is he mentions what time it is. And oh, we should have set this up. I'm sorry. Because again, oh, yeah. these are the small things that... that well, there's them. so many things. There's so many things. Back. So the watch that he got from Carl, um, it has the communicator, like I said, and it's a it's a hologram of major monogram, a major hologram, if you will. And uh, he says, you can reach me anytime except between 3.30 and 4 o'clock. That's when I'm taking a shower. And so he, a Doofenshmirtz, competent Doofenshmirtz mentions for some reason that it's like 3.45. And so no, Perry, he's like, he's like, I, he's like, what time is it? And he's like, oh, I got this new watch with the little dashes. Yeah, I can't tell what time it is exactly because there's no numbers. Let's just say it's anywhere from between three thirty and four. <laughs> and so Perry turns his communicator on, and so you see Major Monogram in the shower, and he shows it, and everyone like averts their <laughs> eyes, and so they manage to get back on the minecart and escape. And I will say, as much as we were kind of talking about um, action scenes being a little uh, difficult to describe in this movie, this is a pretty well done action scene because Candace has to like fight a bunch of guys with yes. a bow staff and then an arm falls off and Phineas and Ferb have to like rewire it to like use it as a laser cannon basically and all that stuff. It's very well done. There's a lot of like ebb and flow to it and like the bots shoot one of the wheels on the cart off and they have to like try and cut it off but they set another one on fire so they can't get to the back. And then Candace like has to make a decision. Yes. And she basically cuts our dimension Phineas and Ferb off to save yes. herself and her brothers. And the and the team. It's, yeah and Buford and Elizabeth. Yes also it's Phineas <laughs> Phineas, Ferb, Candace, and Perry all get left behind because she disconnects the cars. Because there was one was on fire. Yes. And so they manage to get back to the base and they're all like, what did you do? Why would you do that? And she goes, it was a uh, lose-lose situation. Like if there was a small chance we all got out of there, but it was a much higher chance we all got captured and I'm not taking that risk for you too. And so 
They do get captured. And this is the scene where I was kind of confused because they both are surrounded yes. by robots both times. And he's like, hey, I need you to fix the other dimensioninator. And Phineas he's is just like... He's trying to force Phineas. And to... Phineas is just like, no, no. not going to do that. Why would I do that? Why would I do this? It's just going to hurt me. You're just going to go take over my dimension. Why would I do something that I know is actively, uh, you know, going to exactly. not work out in my favor? And the, while they're having this conversation, I think someone mentioned something about a self-destruct button. And then Doofenshmirtz remembers, oh, yeah, he took out the self-destruct button and had to rewire the whole thing I had forgotten that's the modification he made and he goes over and touches it and fixes it and he's like cool we're good to go and he goes yeah except that we aren't and, and this like, is competent Doofenshmirtz competent Doofenshmirtz excuse me um, and, and this is we, I didn't I haven't brought it up a ton because it's kind of the ebb and flow of this is weird but like Doofenshmirtz has kind of been annoying his counterpart his competent mm-hmm. counterpart with like being like Jinx you owe me a soda and like just doing yes doing shtick with him that competent Doofenshmirtz just really isn't interested in and so he's like okay I got what I wanted from you you all are going to be sent to your doom and then like the robots ask what about this one and he goes to his doom and to Ferb and then what about the innocent young girl to her doom <laughs> and like doom 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 doom, 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 doom 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 and then he points at himself he's like okay hey, yeah take him to the doom too yeah. I, they're all going to doom and he's like oh come on I thought we were friends and he goes I'm evil obviously we're not friends um, but so then the movie catches up to where we were in the beginning where they're being led and again this is a i'm like 90 no wait you missed the best part lucas why are you in charge is so he's putting them to their doom and by the way doofenshmirtz competent doofenshmirtz was trying to convince phineas using a hand puppet and he goes oh this part he goes i do have this and he's like help me fix my machine and phineas is like no and he goes really when I was your age, I did everything a puppet told me to do. And Phineas is like, how old do you, do you think, think I, I am? am? And Covenant Dimitri is like, I don't know. That and he one, goes, one, two, two, who cares? You're a child. Who cares? Basically. And so then a few moments later, he's dooming all of them. He's like, to their doom, to their doom. And then um, he points to... Doofenshmirtz and he goes doom and then Doofenshmirtz has the line which became a TikTok trend or just a meme in general a general meme but also a big TikTok trend which was like if I had a nickel for every time that I'd been doomed by a puppet I'd have two nickels but, which isn't a lot but, but it's, it's weird, weird that, that it, it happened, happened twice, twice right <laughs> Yeah, I didn't recognize that that meme, but I didn't realize it was from this. I just thought it was from the TV show. And that's what I'm and that's what I'm saying is like competent doofenshmirtz. As much as the puppet thing is funny, it's just kind of like okay, yeah, you know, yeah. like it, it doesn't he doesn't sell it as well, and it doesn't feel like the kind of comedy like our doofenshmirtz would do. It just feels like he's like he's doing shtick, which I mean, normal doofenshmirtz does shtick, but it's not the doofenshmirtz we like. So, you know, we're not endeared to it. But so, yes, now we've caught up with the scene where they're being led. This is hard to describe. They are on like a long walkway that leads to a cage where there is, I don't remember the name of the beast, but there's a large beast there. And I'm pretty sure this is a callback to Heinz Doofenshmirtz's uh, backstory where there was a game played in his homeland of Gimpelstump, I believe (laughs) is what it was called. Um, where you have, you poked this thing in a cage, and I'm I think his father won it and won some prize that he I had no memory yeah, of this. That's it's, it's, I I might be wrong, but I feel like that's what it is. And he's like, you're gonna be playing my favorite game, poke the whatever animal. It's like a big block of fur, is all we really see. And he just has Norm like poke it, and but Norm all the Norm bots poke it in a bunch of different places. Um, they notice that one of the Norm bots has the keys on him because of course, yes. that, yeah, that's how any of course in a robot universe where the everything is run by technology. There's physical keys for the locks that are hanging off the robot. There may as well have been a dog with yeah. this whole thing that Pirates of mouth. the Caribbean yes. style. <laughs> exactly. So they're all getting walked down this is walkway. Is it Pirates of the Caribbean or is it Pirates of the Caribbean? I say, every time I say it, I 
then go into my head and go, I think I said that wrong. To quote Sean Spencer, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> so while, as they're being led down this walkway, they actually don't have much of a plan for how to get the keys. No, there um, isn't. I thought there was, but there really isn't. Oh, well, oh no, I'm, I'm wrong. Do, uh, Perry uses his electromagnetic watch to pull them towards him and he gets the keys for a second, but then it also pulls the robot towards him because it's also made of metal. I, I got, again, this is hard to describe. <laughs> it causes like a chain reaction where basically the, ro- the, the gates get opened and and they all get like pulled in to be safe from the creature because it starts going after all the robots. But like what I was saying, the part where there's no plan is they don't really know what to do next. But then Candace shows up, alternate Candace, normal Candace yes. is with them. And she like causes a distraction, like knocks over a lawn gnome because there's a whole thing with doofenshmirtz and lawn gnomes, lawn gnomes, and like buys them time and starts taking out the robots. And he just starts flooding the chamber with more robots. And there's a joke this here. This is the point though where I'm just like this it's, just, it's starting to lose me. It's starting, it's to, lose starting me. to lose me. It's a lot of robots. All the robots look the same. We're like, it, it's not doing anything inventive or creative. It's a pit of lava and robots over and over. Yeah, again. like compared to the other action scene where it had a lot of like the like I was talking about like all the good qualities of them on the train. This one really falls flat and it yeah. just feels like we're constantly like, okay, okay. This felt like a massive missed opportunity for me. Is like I know we've mentioned multiple times how things get brought up and like call come back a bunch during this execution. One one of the norm bots comes into where Doofenshmirtz is. He's on a big TV and says, hello, sir, it's muffin time. And he has a muffin on the plate for him. This and do- and goes Doof- on for too long. And Doofenshmirtz starts enjoying the muffin. But no, I'm, I don't even care about it going on for too long. But I just wish they had set up oh, muffin yeah. time and stuff like that, like under Doofenshmirtz I rule. just assumed that that was something I was missing. I thought no, that was something in the show that I didn't understand. No, it's not. As far as I'm aware, that's not a thing. So like all they had to explain was being like, oh, under Doofenshmirtz's rule, 4 p.m. every day is muffin time. Everybody yeah. gets a muffin like it's not all bad we get a muffin every day at 4 p.m like something like that okay because that's what like distracts him from their massive escape attempt that like candace has shown up and that they're like not being eaten by the monsters that he's enjoying this muffin and then the norm comes back with more and more muffins and he's like okay you're just broken that's what's wrong or like even i would have taken that like the one buford like disabled by messing with its wiring he had like fixed up enough to fly back and it was bonkers or whatever but basically where this all ends is that they are hanging from the cage perry is holding onto them with all of his platypus mm-hmm. strength and they're all human platypus yeah strength. they're all hanging out of the cage and they've managed to like knock the keys to one another there's but actually they're hanging over a pit of lava right and there's actually a good bit where candace uh catches the keys because like they've managed to fall into like they swung underneath and grabbed them and the doofus was like great you got the keys unlock me and they all look at him and he realizes he's above lava and he's like right but we can do that later we can do that later but the other important thing is that candace throws phineas his portal remote which by the way he almost doesn't catch it yeah like, she does a terrible job throwing it and he does a terrible job you can't do that with something that important and they're also over lava exactly but basically what fucking happens is phineas then looks at perry and is like let go like, mm-hmm. let everyone go, even though over a pit of lava. And he's like, you gotta trust me. Just trust me. And the whole thing, this is, like, supposed to be bringing full circle the fact that Phineas was saying, you don't trust us enough, you don't trust us with your secret identity, keep sneaking off, whatever, whatever. Which- Phineas makes a, emotional eye contact with Perry. <laughs> Perry, like, closes his makes eyes. Makes emotional eye contact with the platypus. Yeah, and Perry just lets go. And then they all start free-falling. Phineas obviously takes through. Tom, Pat, Tom Patty's free-falling. 
starts yes. playing. No, it doesn't. Ta- uh, I will. I will say by the way. Sorry. Is that Candace? At when she's doing all of her stuff, they did a good job. They gave Candace like badass theme music during all of this, which I really appreciated. Other dimension Candace. Other dimension Candace. Excuse me. Yes. And so they open a portal to go through. They're just going to jump clockwise into the weirdo dimension. Yes. Like instead of going back to because it's better than lava. Yes. So they jump into the next dimension as Candace is kicking ass with the robots. Right. She escapes, and the Doofenshmirtz sends a bunch of robots after them, and then this leads us into another song where uh, Phineas is just like, "Okay, I guess we're going." around clockwise and they just start running through a bunch, bunch of, of weird dimensions and i honestly didn't like this song this might be my least favorite i thought this was my least favorite song for yeah sure. i don't know i was just kind of like at a certain point like yeah i get it you know like we're where they're going and it's just a chance to do some cool visual effects where they enter like a kaleidoscope dimension and they look all weird you know yeah, they're in like a bathtub with an alien at one point yeah and it just and they're jumping from planetoids or something like it's like a tiny dimension i don't know and it's also not very singable is the problem like it doesn't, it, have, it doesn't have a funky sick beat no no it was it was a bit of a disappointment if I'm being honest. And what kind of I was thrown by is I thought also while they were doing it, I we were gonna get to see like the robots getting trashed like in the dimension. No. And the dimensions they follow them through most of it, just eventually they manage to lose them, but it's not inventive. Like I was thinking they could do a cool thing, like where they lose one through each dimension yes, they go in through. In a different fun way. And they don't they don't do that. Again, I feel like it was kind of a big missed opportunity. Again, I thought there could have been some fun in jokes with the dimensions they go through, but there wasn't really. They were just weird things. But they get back, right? Yes, eventually they do get all the way through. They weren't stuck there forever and doofenshmirtz competent doofenshmirtz opens the portal on their side they, they get back right in front of buford and baljeet and isabella and all where they stuff. were trading existentialist crate trading cards yes and they're like and so then competent doofenshmirtz opens the portal on his end so he sends his massive robot army through and they're like oh my gosh robots we've got to do something everybody like let's get going and then perry stops them and again wordlessly but very well emotively is like i have to it's like I, the iron giant it's like I go, you, you stay. stay, and also Major Mon and Graham. But he takes this as like a slight again, like he because he's like we want to help you. Yeah, and again, again, and- Phineas is like you don't trust us. It's like no, he's just. He has to do his fucking job. And he gives him his little collar. Well, I think that was also why he felt so slighted is they give, he, they, they mentioned that he has a locket on his neck, which you can't see because of his fur, um, that has a picture of all three of them in it. And he gives that to Phineas. And I think Phineas originally takes that as being like a, I've never, like, you're just my cover. I've got to go do my job kind of thing. Like him, like refuting that. Like that's the only way he could communicate that. So I think that's why he's a little put out. But like Major Monogram also gets in touch and says all the agents of the OWCA are trying to fight all these robots. And so Phineas, uh, Perry has to go help them and so he takes off on his jetpack or whatever or his rocket car i don't remember and they're like okay i guess we're going home like they're so butthurt that they don't get to fight the robots and everyone's just like yeah yeah i guess guess we'll go home we'll let these highly trained animal secret agents handle it i guess then we cut back to the backyard i think and stacy's like hey uh mysterious force she makes an offering she's like i'm gonna make you a shrine i know this isn't really my thing but i'm really nervous about my friend candace and i saw you open up and eat her yeah so I made a little shrine for you. It's got like a banana on it. It's really nice, I think. So if you could just give me Candace back, I would really appreciate it. And then she just walks up being like, oh, hey, Stacey, what's going on? I forgot you were here. And she's like, oh my gosh, what happened? She's like, nah, it wasn't the mysterious force. It was just another dimension. But yeah, the boys just go inside and they're sitting on the couch, like watching everyone freak out. There's some good gags of everyone freaking out around Danville about the robots attacking them. And you see people like, you see the lead singer of Love Handle. Yes, like, let's set that up. like Tempe and so. 
1994 or something, something about like some sort of tour thing. There's just random gags. It's like, it felt very um like SpongeBob's going to be like, my leg. Like, yeah, and- yeah. Little stuff like that. And, and yes, the love handle will become important in a second. So we should set that up. Is I think my favorite episode of Phineas and Ferb is the one where they reunite. You're the one. Yes, you're the star. We need you back on um, bass guitar. Are you fabulous? Um, you're fabulous. Is the one where they get back their mom's favorite band from the 80s, which was that called Love Handle. Love Handle. That one has bangers only. Uh, so we see them again after Sammo. Yes, yes, star. We need you back on bass guitar. You're fabulous. You're fabulous. You're fabulous. You're fabulous. Anyway, we see them get caught up in the robot waves and being, and yes, saying like, this is like that convention all over again or whatever. But they're sitting on the, on the couch watching the TV, watching all this. There's also some, some good gags from the newscasters being like, now here's the weather forecast. There's robots, Bill. Robots. And they run away. Um, and they're like, man, I really wish we could help. It seems like it's not going great. I can't believe Perry wouldn't let us and he gave us this locket and they start hearing like a beep, 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 beep. This leads them into the lab. Yes. because his, his secret agent lab. Yes, his lair. And they it leads them down one of his entrances to it and they go down there and like the computer goes, Phineas and Ferb, if you are reading this, the tri-state area is in great danger. Please insert the key. And they're like, the key? I don't have a key. What key are you talking about? And the key, they, we see the key hole and it's obviously shaped like the locket. They With put, the pictures of the three of yeah, them. Yeah, so they unfold and see the three of them they put the locket. He loved you all along. Yeah, no shit, it, we yeah, all yeah, I, That's the thing. We're talking like, I, again, this movie is fun and it's fine and it has some good songs and some great jokes. But like the fact they needed, they felt they needed to go with like a strong emotional through line like this was kind of a mistake. Because like we, as the audience already know all this, we know they love each other. We know Perry trusts them. We know Mm. they're actually best friends. Like it, it, it just kind of like, I don't want to say it feels like a waste of time, but it feels like a waste of time a little bit because we know where the, this is all going to get resolved because like Emma said, it's all based on the miscommunication of him not being able to talk. But so the computer tells them, uh, Perry trusts you to save the tri-state area. And also he knows you might be the only ones who can do it because you're the ones who built this. And again, this is really the moment. I will say the movie is itself is pretty blasé. I'm pretty, I'm pretty blasé about, but this is where the finale starts, and the finale really got me. I was really on board. I was having a lot of fun, and this is the one where it all begins. Because if you remember, Major Monogram mentioned the thing in all of their fedoras that scans technology for them to rebuild, and they activate the rebuild things, and it builds all of the stuff that they've the built. Phineas and Ferb have built. All that they've built over the course of the show. So it's like their treehouse robots, their roller coaster, their giant robot dog, which I didn't really remember they made. Candace's monster truck they made in one episode. It's like all callbacks, and I was like, hell yeah. I was really conflicted about this finale. I don't think I felt as positive about it as you did. I think it is callbacks, which is like nice to like stuff they make in show. I think one problem I sometimes have with animation is like because you can do anything, it sometimes leads to in what I think in my opinion is like a lack of creativity because it's like, oh, massive army of robots. Guess what? We have a massive army of robots. Like it's like, Okay, and then <laughs> great. Robots we robots, I guess. It's like action movie, but if like the action movies didn't even have to have a budget, stupidity. Like it's like and then the robots are going to just battle each other and destroy each other. We're like in normal movies when there are constraints, like ideally like I wish we had an army of robots, but then we have to think critically and find a smarter way to like come up with the solution here. And like there has to be something we can figure out. And then like that's usually how smart things are written in like 
this now becomes just like a massive kind of boring action well, sequence. But I, but I think it was very smartly written that they set up, like if they had just shown up that like Perry had collected them all, like, oh, actually that would have been good if he was the mysterious force and he had been collecting all of their stuff. That, that actually would have been smarter. That actually but the problem is that we see it get destroyed and stuff. Over the, it's usually as the result of a, a, a doofinator. But I thought that it was good they set it up that like the thing that copies all of their machines, like that's smart writing. You can't deny that. Like, I don't, I, this seemed to feel very convenient that he copied all their machines. Well, but I'm saying it would have felt convenient had they not set up how that came out. Well, that was like hitting us over the head, but they were setting that up. I just didn't. Okay. I'm not saying that I didn't like the fact that they called back and he, it was sweet that he recreated all their machines. I like that fact. I'm just saying this is not a very creative finale that it's just two armies of robots destroying, okay, it, battling I, it that's out. That's fair enough. And it's also, but, by the way, not very engaging to watch. I was looking at my phone the entire time. It, it isn't engaging to watch, but the song is pretty good. There's a pretty, I like this song. Because it's, it's a love handle song. Yeah, I mean, it, I, got, yeah. I was like, love handle, and then I looked down on my phone because it's all the same shit. It's just robots hitting each other. Pretty much. But I will. But I just want to point out, it is, if you're in, in invested in this like me and remember a lot of the show it was kind of the I also think I have a problem with like animated like so much of this movie is action like animated action and I know that there are people that like this Uh, for me I'm pointing at myself like I think some animated action works this doesn't work for me because there are no stakes like when I'm watching an action sequence I'm trying to see if someone's gonna get hurt or like who's gonna like no one's gonna get hurt. It's fucking Phineas and Ferb. They're all just gonna jump. They're all like well, yeah, immortal. The, it's I, like there's like no stakes. Well, it's what a children's watching? cartoon. But yeah, why? Then why are we fighting? Why are we having forty minute long fights? Because sequence? it's entertaining for children. Number one, and I disagree. I think they're having fun with it. It's a whole musical sequence. There's like a freaking robot unicorn that's stabbing through the other robot. Like that's... I think I agree. I think I would have liked this had we not had three other robot battles. I think they should have yes, I mean, needed to build. I I d- agree with you because that that's the problem. We about having evil doofenshmirtz, competent doofenshmirtz as the villain up front, is that the bo- the robots become boring after a certain point. I was point. bored by them at this but point. But I'm saying, but what I was trying to say was that the, having all their inventions come back, it really is like the Avengers Endgame moment where it's like, oh my gosh. It's That's like, very generous. They, I was. It's close to, if you could have an Avengers Endgame moment in this, in Phineas and Ferb, this is it, is that it all comes back and it's like, oh, we're about to, like obviously, and actually you're make, you're make that comparison only stronger because obviously Thanos' army is boring and it gets tiring to watch them just smash CGI yeah, up against, actually then, up yes. against like dust after like gray globs of whatever. Yeah, it actually did feel like the faceless Thanos army we're just like I don't care. Yeah, exactly. But like I'm saying, but it's fun because it, it's like oh my gosh, all of their inventions are back. I, the, I think I just don't have a soft spot for any of these inventions. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's just because I remember them all so much more. Like because I, I remembered watched. some of them, but I wasn't. I was. I don't. I feel more power passionately about like fucking Captain Marvel than I do about a random truck. Okay, fair enough. All, so they get all their inventions and they get all their friends together. And then Love Handle says, "What can we do to help?" Yes. And they said, "Hit it to play us a beat." And, and so. This is the best part of the movie. It's it is like the finale really is it, robot riot. Robot riot. The finale really, in my opinion, brings the whole thing together because like. It's just, as much as Emma and I are kind of dumping out it for just being a big, massive brawl, which is tiring to watch after a while. It is really fun, and there's a lot of energy to it. And also, they cut back to the other dimension. Candace was captured. I think I said she got away. She is captured. And Jeremy and Young and Phineas and Ferb have to break her out. And he's like, oh, he's like super excited to see her. It's like, it's every, anything you say, Commander, all this. And like, you can see that she's kind of like, oh. <laughs> um, and so they're doing that on their side because now 
that competent doofenshmirtz is in normal dimension everything is vulnerable and they can take it all down you know there's not a lot to talk about in the fight because it's just them fighting a bunch of robots and it also doesn't work like they're not winning there there's yes. there's a portal and there's, there's endless literally robots there's, en- there's endless robots so there still needs to be another end game so like they, this isn't even the solution yes phineas has to go up to the tower right to try to close the portal right he and, Perry, other- he and Perry are fighting together they're using that baseball launcher thing which again i don't know how that's a weapon it's just throwing a baseball at something. I do like that the platypus pee comes back and they shove the cushion and do it. Yes, because he goes up onto the roof. Again, you say that, but I was kind of taken out of it because I'm like, I don't want to see Phineas fight a grown man. Yeah, again. Because he just starts, because like they're using the they're baseball. They're like fist fighting. They're like other. fist fighting. You, he uses the ball launcher at one point, but then he just picks up like the piss soaked couch cushion <laughs> and slaps Doofenshmirtz with it. Because originally his goal is to shut the portal down, but then he sees, and again, this felt really out of nowhere, that he's controlling the robots with like a satellite dish that he's built in this dimension and he just needs to destroy the satellite dish. It's basically to, a self-destruct It's basically button. a self-destruct thing. But they fight for a while. And, and Harry's fighting the Platyborg. He is. And then he puts the Platyborg, he electrocutes him. He does electrocute him because he gets the spike on his tail stuck through an electrical box. And then he, he also has, has to put on, like, on his head. Yeah, he's a turkey and he, he Perry has to put on like sportswear to fight him, which is kind of funny. But then, like, yeah, he, like, cooks the turkey. And his, so then, and he makes him whole, dead. He makes him, well, he's a platyborg. I think he's pretty survivable. Um, and actually, as we learned, it, oh, it cooks the evil programming. Convenient. It's very good. It's a cartoon, Emma. <laughs> like, that's the thing. I think your main problem with saying all this stuff about animation is just you don't have any plausible deniability of, like... I'm I, sorry but, that I want things to matter. And, and we'll get into this later. My, the, what I said at the top, the greatest sin this movie commits. It, it's coming up. But, like... Oh, I thought there were so, two. What was the other one? I Oh, I think the one is that... Uh, it's it's all... Or is all Phineas talking? Phineas talking. Yeah, yeah. The, the way that they partner people so their Phineas has no one to speak to. Yes. And then the second one we're coming up on, which is like, sorry that I just want things to have weight. Like, this felt like I didn't have to watch it. I, I didn't demand my attention in any yeah, way. Well, I, mean, I knew everything was going to be what, fine. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. And I know that other, it's a Disney movie and like other like things, it will, everything will eventually be fine. But like, usually I'm like somewhat worried for the kids that they're going to get bullied. Like, anything. <laughs> like, I just want to be somewhat concerned about what's well, happening. What do you think Doofenshmirtz was gonna do? Shove him in a locker? Like what? Like he's, I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying. Usually I'm worried about I, them. I mean I get what you're saying. It's I because I did have this note a little bit. Is that it is too big of a threat? Because you know it's not gonna have it. Yeah, the, like, the world's gonna end. Like yeah, like it's it's too much. Like you need like I get what you were saying now about stakes and being like you need something more personal because you can't go this big on it. But yeah, they, so the, he fights Doofenshmirtz a little bit and then eventually he takes the baseball and hits it through the uh, satellite dish and all the robots shut down. And so then competent Doofenshmirtz it brings out a really big robot that he has built for himself somehow somewhere and is like in the, he's in the wrist of it and he's about to punch and destroy Phineas Ferb and Perry. But then our Doofenshmirtz, oh my gosh, we can't skip this gag though, is that Ever since he gets back from the other dimension, Doofenshmirtz is trying to get into his building where a common Doofenshmirtz is launching the attack from, and none of and his he's na- ringing all of his neighbors, and none of his neighbors will let him in because they're all like, "Oh, you sound just like my neighbor upstairs." Like it's me. That's why none of them understand what he's trying to say, and it's really funny actually. And also dur- during the fight, 
Candace realizes that the way to stop all of this is she has to try and show it to her mom. Yeah, because, because the force will not let, 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 let her mom, adult see it. Exactly. And so she goes to the movie theater where the mom is and they're watching like a romantic comedy. And robots like, are swirling. And robots the are swirling through the theater, but they have 3D glasses on. So they just think they're it's like, this 3D looks amazing. <laughs> and like, so she, she's trying to convince the mom to come out while all this is going on. So when he's trying to punch them, Doofenshmirtz shows up being like, hey, Idiot, I have something for you. And he holds up the train that competent Doofenshmirtz said he lost when he was a kid. And he's like, oh, choo-choo, you're back. Like, and he just starts fawning over it. And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm cool now. I'm not I'm not mean anymore. I'm cool with how this all worked out. You know what? I'm just going to press the self-destruct button on my thing. He's like, ah, I knew we were the same. I knew they had a self-destruct button. And so he destroys all the robots. And then Candace leads the mom out. And there's nothing anywhere. And she's like, I did it. I saved the world. She goes, she's like, there's nothing here, honey. She goes, I know. No. Isn't it beautiful? You can go back to your movie now. It's fine. And then so he's like, all right, I'm just going to walk back to my other dimension. Bye. And then other Candace and other Phineas and Ferb take him into custody. He's like, oh, right. My crimes against Against humanity. humanity. I did forget about those. Um, But yeah, they all kind of have a reunite with the portal open where like they get Platteborg. All of his evil software has been electrocuted out of him. So he's their pet again. Can you guys tell how over this movie I was? I haven't taken a note in 25 minutes. I I didn't take a lot of notes on this movie either. It's all just, you know, standard wrap up Guess what, guys? Everything's fine. And then I will get to the other great sin this movie commits. Oh, is it the amnesia They men in black wipe everyone. Yeah, they do do that. Because Perry can't stay with them if they know his secret identity. So they have to, Carl has to memory wipe their mind so they don't remember any of this, even the greatest day where they helped Perry. I I think I have problems inherently with the Disney Channel movies based on TV series. I think it's easy to do wrong or just like, not even do wrong or just do to the point where I'm just like, what was the point of this? Which I feel about this, I kind of felt the impossible one in a certain way where it's like, you're not giving me enough like, there's not enough of a reason for this to be a movie. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, I thought the Kim Possible one. I think the Kim Possible one still might be one of the better ones we've seen. I, I feel that way about, like, the Even Stevens movie. Oh, I which, like the Even Stevens I one. like it, too, but, like, it just felt, like, so... It, like, we've, we talked about it in that episode, and I feel like we're talking a bit about... No, not so much here. But in that one, it was like, this this doesn't feel enough like the show that I like. And, like, the Wizards of Waverly Place movie, to an extent, Oh, well, I hated that one. Where it's, I, like, they're going... Like, they're on vacation or whatever, and it's a whole the separate... But the Wizards of Waverly Place one does what this one does, where it's, like... There's no bearing on the There's plot. no bearing on the actual plot. Yeah. Which is like absolutely so frustrating. Like what you can't say about Kim Possible. Everything that happens okay. in the movie carries over into season four, which there yes. wasn't supposed to be a season four, but the movie did so well. They were like, okay, get I don't give a fuck. If you think I'm following the fucking seasons of Kim Possible, I have a life. Um, anyway, what I'm saying is, is if you're not going to have the movie have any bearing on the actual plot of the show and you're going to continue the show, there doesn't need to be a fucking movie. Like, <laughs> don't do this fucking movie where you've had this whole thing, they find out a secret identity, and then guess what? They're men in black memory wiped. I hate that shit. I hate memory wipes. It lets you go on to continue this show with as if this movie never happened. So if this movie never happened, why the fuck did I just wait just two hours of my life watching it and not hours of my life recording about it? I don't care then. This doesn't matter. And so I hate that, and therefore that really not that this movie down significantly for me they memory wipe them they memory wipe everyone and they're all standing in a corner and this was the only part of this movie that i actually fucking liked is carl's gonna memory wipe them and isabella goes oh so like you don't remember anything after the flash she's like yep nothing and uh she leans over and kisses Phineas and then goes hit it carl yeah that was really funny <laughs> was their delivery on hit it carl and he's like wait wait i want to talk yeah. about this and, and their memory wiped and then their memory wiped uh yes so they've been forced to forget the greatest day ever etc and also like this isn't a thing in the 
show, so I didn't actually concerned about myself with it that much. But you would need to memory wipe everybody, right? Because like, well, I mean, those robots falling out of the sky would be it would have been a mass casualty event. They would have hit people on the street. Well, it's not like that. But I'm saying like everyone would remember. Hey, remember last week when all the robots attacked us? That was pretty crazy, and everyone would be like, "Huh? What? What are you talking about?" Yeah, that you would happen. have to. You would have to. Fantastic Beast send a bird into the air and rain tears. Right, memory but I mean, like they do that in the show where they build like a robot dog that travels through the entire Tristan area, and no one tells anyone about it. They're just kind of like, "Yeah, that happened." So I'll give it to him on that one. Uh, oh, no. I was about to say that's it, but we have to talk about the craziest thing that happens in the entire movie. The credits start to roll. And Slash. Slash. The from human. The human. He's not animated yet. No, not yet. He plugs his guitar into an amp, and then he turns into an animated cartoon. And there's one last song. And there's the last song they just play over the credits that Slash, I guess, plays guitar on. If we were going to get Slash for this movie, why didn't we put him in the movie? I, I don't know. They've done that before. Like, And there's an episode where they go to the future, and Bowling for Soup shows up and like plays the theme song because they do the theme song for the show. That and would make like, more sense if they went to the past because Bowling for the Soup hasn't been popular since barely on. <laughs> Snap, I'm not taking shots at Bowling for Soup. Um, but wait, when do you think Slash has been popular? <laughs> wait a minute. Always. Slash is eternal. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really weird out of nowhere. And I don't know if like, do you think they advertise this like featuring Slash? Because I, like, I mean, if anything, kids love it, Slash. Everyone loves Slash. <laughs> everyone loves the leading man. He's also the just guitar a guitarist. You don't even need him. He doesn't say a word to anybody. You can just get his image. Much right. like Ferb. Much like Ferb. Does Ferb say anything at the end of this movie? He usually does, right? He had a few comments. He pipes in a few he has times. A few, he has more than usual because it's a movie. Um, but yeah, that's Phineas and Ferb across the second dimension. It's fine. It's fun. But I think Emma's thoughts on the fact that they mind what people kind of bringing up and I mean we have said this about like which is the way the place in the movie it's largely inconsequential I think like I said some of the specials they do for this show are way better than this um I so yeah I think I would give it like uh I'd say like six like solid six I, I would give it a five really you're going that completely low completely middle of the road I enjoyed it because I enjoy the humor yeah I think but the humor I wasn't elevates a lot. emotionally invested in this at I know I think the humor elevates a lot and I gave it a lot of credit for like I said how things were set up and come back in really unexpected ways I think they really nail it I mean I think adapting the this show into more of a long form you're not gonna go bad on it but just like i think really our core problems with it are what we've said that like you didn't go big enough with some of your ideas it just kind of came back and hurt you in the end is really where i'm at with it but if you're a fan of phineas and ferb i would recommend it um i would ask what we're watching next month but if all goes well and the creek don't rise i'll go creek god it's something about the i don't creek. know what the fuck there's a phrase about, about the creek not rising um, Never heard that before. Next month should be our Rip Girls episode. If not, it will be. We'll figure out something. The schedule's kind of in flux. But and you guys will just deal with whatever because yes. you don't have a choice. <laughs> Everything behind the scenes is on us. But dude, keep uh, keep an eye on Twitter.com. Wait, is it slash Twitter? We're at D Comedy on Twitter. If you want to keep an eye on what's going on with our newest episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Wildfire underscore King for updates like that as well. Emma, where can they find you on the internet? At Emma Stone Tyler on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And as always, you should check out our good friends on AudioEntropy.com. There's a bunch of great podcasts there. You'll find one you love, I guarantee it. Oh, also, you can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tyler. Thank you so much to everybody supporting me there. But yeah, I think this is going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for being patient with our schedule. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope you have an even better holiday season, no matter what you celebrate. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great summer. I need to do a little more programming here, and we'll be ready to roll. Hey, buddy. Ferb and I just wanted to say our goodbyes. You know, we thought we'd finally met the real you when we found out you were Agent P. But the fact is, Pet, Secret Agent, they're both the real you. You are now, and always have been, a great pet. And a great friend. We're gonna miss you, Agent P. I love you, pal. 
Sir, are you crying? No, I'm sweating through my eyes. Okay, sir. We're ready. Okay, Carl. We're set. So, none of us will remember any of today? That's right. Good. Mwah! Isabella! Hit it, Carl! Wait, wait, wait! <laughs>